0: I don't became a full-time real estate investor just by doing few things here and there and only when I felt like doing so. You know, I took massive action every single day. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go.
1: My mom always said it's rude to keep people waiting. Well, best ever listeners, that's exactly what you're doing if you're not funding your deals with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that matches up your deals with accredited and institutional investors who want to invest in your deal. Patch of Land literally has thousands of investors ready to fund your next deal. You don't want to keep them waiting, do you? And guess what? It's a lightning quick process, too. In fact, the average patch of land loan closes in just seven days. Is a five to seven day close faster than how long it currently takes you to close on financing? And just think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have all of your financing needs taken care of for all of your deals? How many more deals could you close if you already knew where the money was coming from? With Patch of Land, you no longer have to worry about the financing part. They've got it taken care of for you. Go to Patch of Land and find out how to get your next deal funded by the thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Go to PatchofLand.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. Hello Best Ever Listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Wendell De Guzman. Hi Wendell.
0: Hi, I'm glad to be here, Joe. Thank you for having me.
1: Glad to have you on the show and first and foremost, Happy Valentine's Day.
0: Thank you. We'll uh, show your listeners some love,
1: huh? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Best Ever Listeners, we're going to show you lots of love on this episode today. Wendell is joining us from Chicago, Illinois. He has acquired over $15 million worth of real estate in Illinois, Ohio, uh, and Florida. He's been investing for over 10 years and has done everything from lease options to wholesaling to subject tos to rehabbing and multifamily investing. He currently buys three homes a month in Chicago and in Fort Myers, Florida. And when he's not doing all this real estate investing stuff, he enjoys bowling, and interestingly, before our show, I was asking him about what his, kind of his hobbies are outside of real estate. He's like, well, I just love the physics behind bowling. I was like, what? Physics behind the bowling? Um, so he is a he's an engineer by background, which kind of explains that. So with that being said, Wendell, can you give the best-ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: All right. In uh, November 2003, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that book opened my mind on, like, how money works, right? And then I became interested in real estate as I got sold. So I thought I had a good, you know, a good job at a Fortune 500 company, and it's, you know, supposedly secure. But I don't know. I mean, that, that real estate bug uh, caught me, so to speak. And I decided then and there I'll become a real estate investor. So I got the books, uh, listened to, like, this home study course, and, uh People will will know that I'm old, you know, when I say that I bought a sixty dollar home study course on tape, cassette tapes, and I listen to those tapes again and again and again until I practically memorize them and I can recite them verbatim almost. And so, you know, that really helped me. Like three months later, I bought my first deal.
1: You've done lease options, wholesaling, subject twos, rehabbing. Let's talk about some of those strategies. When do you determine? Uh, the best time to use a lease option versus a subject to. And can you briefly explain what a lease option is and what a subject to is?
0: Uh-huh. Well, a subject to is when you buy the property subject to the existing mortgage, right? Um, and then my exit strategy in a subject to situation is lease option, you know. But I've also bought houses, you know, doing a lease with option to buy. You know, but that lease will have a right to sublease. So I would say between that between the two, I would really prefer the subject to, uh, because then you get the deed or title to the property. Whereas in the lease option situation, all you have there is an option to purchase the property. That's your equitable interest, you know, or or control over the property. Now, having said that, you know, um, it doesn't really depend on the market. So much more, as it depends on the situation of the seller, you know. So, for example, um, or of the property. If you don't like the property so much, you know, let's say um, there's a possibility that uh, you know that that property will will have a lot of different maintenance and repairs, you know. If you keep it for more than two three years, then doing a lease with option to buy will be preferred, you know, so that if ever you know you don't get stuck with that property, right? Uh, if if you buy it with this option, whereas in a subject two, because then now you have the deed, right? I mean, I only use that for properties that are in pretty good shape in in great areas that I know, you know, the prices there will appreciate. And, you know, I don't mind keeping those properties for the long term. Those I would tend to buy using the subject two strategy. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. How do you convince a seller to do those approaches?
0: Well, the sellers that I encounter that agree to those, well, first of all, 99% probably of sellers you'll talk with, you know, um, will not like either one of those options. But the 1% that you find, you know, those are the the motivated sellers, you know. So like 90% of the deals that I acquired using the lease option and subject to strategies, uh, these are sellers that are making two mortgage payments. One on a house that they are living in, obviously, but another mortgage payment on a house that they already uh left, you know let's say they have relocated to a different state, you know, or they've relocated to a different part of town, you know they got a new house, thinking that they were that they that that they should be able to sell their older home, which is not you know sometimes not really that old um you know so they end up making two mortgage payments and obviously you know the average american family have double income right uh, but they really can't, cannot afford to make two mortgage payments so i come in there and, and basically offer them a solution to their debt problem so i tell them look i will take over your mortgage payment your real estate agent won't do that for you you know and and by that and by the time i i come into the picture they have fired their real estate agent because you know i mean and for example, in one instance, uh, one seller that I that I dealt with, she hired two real estate agents. So one real estate agent for six months couldn't sell the property. Another real estate agent for three months couldn't sell the property. So imagine, for almost nine months, she was making two mortgage payments. You know. So I came in there and basically told her, "Look, I'm going to help you, Anna, and this is how I'm going to help you. I'm going to take over your mortgage payment. You know, so that you don't have to worry about that." And um you know, I will turn around and find you a tenant buyer you know that will basically pay me so, I, so I'm able to pay your mortgage, and she's fine with that because you know her her options are either she will go into foreclosure, which she doesn't want to do, or she will have to wait you know one two or three years you know for me to find a good tenant buyer that will cash her out eventually so yeah
1: no no knowing that the majority of the sellers aren't going to like those options Mm -hmm. and knowing that what you just said, sellers making interested in those uh, likely are, you know, sellers who have a couple different mortgage payments and they want to just get rid of one of them because they're relocated or for whatever other reason. Does that influence how you target uh, your marketing to specifically try and reach those people who have two mortgage payments? And if so, what do you do specifically to reach them?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one way that I reach them is um, putting out bandit signs that say that say something like, um, "I buy houses, I take over mortgage payments." You know, so I've I've bought uh, several houses, um, you know, lease option and subject to candidates, You know, because of that, but the most effective marketing method to reach those types of sellers is by sending letters to expired listings, you know. So for example, in that one instance, you know, you, I mean, that listing expired twice, one for six months, another for three months. So that's how I'm able to reach those type of sellers is by sending direct mail to expired listings. How do you,
1: how do you get the list of expired listings?
0: From my real estate agents, you know, so I have relationships with several real estate agents and, Sometimes, I, um, in fact, we do have access to the MLS in our office. So based on that, you know, we just look for listings that have expired in the past two months, you know. So and why, why the past two months? Because uh, after two months, there's a high chance that those properties that have expired, they will relist it, you know, unfortunately with the same agent or uh, with a different agent. But the point is they will relist it again. You know, so it's crucial that, that you capture them, you know, and basically sell them the whole idea of, hey, why not do this? You will get a good price on your property. And at the same time, you know, now your your debt problems are, are over because I will be taking care of them. So,
1: Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh,
0: Patient experience. My best real estate investing advice ever. Actually, I would say that there are there are five things. Actually, you know that I would tell, let's say, a beginner, okay, or 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 someone with some level of experience. Number one, take massive action, right? So I don't became a full time real estate investor just by doing few things here and there and only when I felt like doing so. You know, I took massive action every single day. You know, number two, I don't quit. I mean, I've made a ton of mistakes in real estate, you know, and uh, if I'm going to tell you all the mistakes that, that I've done, you know, we will be down here for hours and hours and hours, okay? But, so, but I don't quit. I stick to it until I succeed. I learn from the mistakes, though, you know, but I, I change and pick my, my strategies, but I keep at it. Uh, number three, you know, focus on finding good deals, right? Because if, you, if you're able to find good deals, then you're able to profit from those good deals, you know, so, I mean, I'm, this is very simple, but a lot of people don't know how to find good deals, you know, so all they do is look for deals in, on the MLS, um, and right now, in in our markets where we operate, it's very hard to find good deals on the MLS. Number four is learn your market, you know, so... It's, it's crucial that you know where the war zones are, where the A, B, C, and D areas are, what the prices are, you know, how many days on the market and things like that. And then lastly, learn financing, you know, because I believe that wealth is a financing game. You know, so, and for example, if you know how uh, it, the different kinds of lenders that are out there um, with a mere $20,000, you can literally buy a hundred houses, you know, because then you can cycle that money again and again and again, using the proper form of leverage, right? So those are the five things that would comprise my best investing advice ever.
1: On the financing aspect, wealth is a financing game. I completely agree. You know, the more intelligent we are about financing, the better we can leverage our money. Mm -hmm. How, what, what are some tips you have that you've learned about the financing game?
0: And for example, you know, like right now, as we are talking, right, I mean, you see a lot of shows on TV on Flip This House, Flip That House or whatever, Flip Men or whatever shows there are. But, you know, so people love to rehab properties, right? But the complaint that I always get is, hey, I don't have any money to start, so how do I do it? Or I have saved up $20,000, you know, what can I do with this, right? Well, as I said, you know, one thing that you can do, uh, let's say if you want to rehab a property and then keep it for the long term. Is um you know let's say let's say with uh twenty thousand dollars right that you have you can buy a deal let's say for forty thousand dollars it's worth a hundred thousand you know once it's rehab you put twenty of rehab in it you know and so you're in it for sixty but you borrow most of that money from a hard money lender right then you turn around and refinance the house that is get a long term financing on it you know, with a conventional lender or preferably with a portfolio lender because a portfolio lender allows you to get loans, you know, more than 10 loans. So when you refinance it, the point here is you get your money back, you get your $20,000 back, and then now you have a property that you can rent out for long-term cash flow. And then you get to do it all over again, you know. So the bottom line, I guess, is uh, when you're learning financing, it's crucial that you understand that there are different types of lenders you have rehab lenders or hard money lenders, right? And then, you know, uh, you have portfolio lenders or long-term financing, you know, that can give you more than 10 loans. It's crucial that you have people um, that you know that can do those things for you. I mean, I think the combination of having a rehab lender on your team, as well as a portfolio lender, I mean, that will allow you to buy, like, as I said, literally 100 houses, and you start out with very little money. But that money gets cycled in you know, after every single deal. You get to do it over and over and over again. So with very limited amounts of capital, with the proper form of leverage, with the right people on your team, I mean, you can get and buy many, many houses out there.
1: And best ever listeners, check out episode 81. It's a skill set Sunday where I talk about portfolio lenders and why they should be your new best friend. And I think Wendell would uh, attest to that. that, Uh, outside of your human relationships, if you could be a friend with any type of business, I imagine it would be a portfolio lender. That's right. When when you talk about take massive action, and don't quit, focus on finding good deals, how do you find, let's talk about the good deal part, how do you find the good deals? You talked about the marketing that you do. Is it primarily through the expired listings two months, or are there other things that you do how How do you get those deals and how how the heck do you end up in Fort Myers, Florida, when you're based in chicago? <laughs>
0: okay, so first, as far as good deals is concerned, what I tell and you know i have I have a um acquisition team in here, and we have an acquisition team as well in fort myers but but you know so but the key in finding good deals is you have to have multiple ways, what I call your deal pipeline, okay so What I mean by that is uh, you have to have sources that can give you deals. And if you can set it up so that it's on autopilot almost, then it's good, you know, so that you get deals even while you're working on something else, you know. So, uh, for example, in my team here in uh, Chicago, uh, I have a guy who is solely dedicated to finding good deals through HUD, you know. Um, and then I have another guy solely dedicated, you know, finding good deals through the local banks in, here in Chicago, you know. So we work those different lead pipelines, you know. So we have, we put out banded signs. We have direct mail to uh, different types of sellers, you know, probate, pre foreclosure, expired listings. I mean, um, absentee landlords, I mean, absentee owners. We have, uh, like I said, HUD. You know, and we, we are about to do, uh, like, pay-per-click marketing, you know, so but we focus it first on the few simple things that, 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 uh, that, that we know what to do based on my own experience. So, so there you go. So you have, you have to have multiple marketing ways in order to get a lot of deals. And if you can set it up so that it's a deal pipeline. So, for example, uh, one bank, one local bank can provide you multiple deals over the course of a year. You know, so once you have that relationship established, then you know, for example, we have several banks where basically they, they basically they they tell us, Hey, I have nine properties in my portfolio. Before I list them with a real estate agent, take a look and make me an offer. You know, so we had that happen with you know with one local bank in, you know, one of the northern suburbs. And out of nine properties that they offered us, we offered we made them eight offers on eight properties that we like. Uh they rejected you know, like seven of them, and then they accepted one of them. And then, you know, so, I mean, that's just how it works. You know, you have to have those steel pipelines. And then with regard to how did, you know, we end up buying houses in Fort Myers, Florida, when I'm based here in Chicago. Well, I have a business partner who went to Fort Myers, heard good things about it, you know, and then started investing in Fort Myers. So we decided, well, since he loves Fort Myers, you know, so we put up a business team in there. Uh, so you know he would buy properties there. I would buy properties here. You know we are business partners. You know we are 50 50 uh, partners. So whatever he buys and sells there, I get 50 percent. Whatever I buy and sell here, he gets 50 percent. So it works out great because Fort Myers is a is it, a great area for you know buy and hold as well. You know because of a lot of retirees living, being a destination state and things like that. So that's it.
1: Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Don't you deserve to have all your deals funded in lightning quick speed? I agree. That's why I've partnered up with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, to bring you the best crowdfunding crash course ever, where you get all the info you need to know about crowdfunding so that you can close more deals. Tune in every Sunday this February, and you'll be treated to the best crowdfunding crash course ever. All right, Wendell, best ever book you've read, uh, Ron LeGrand, Quick Turn Real Estate. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it.
0: I guess, you know, when I uh, went through some of the tough times when the market collapsed, you know, I would say that's a growth or a learning experience, I would say. And that really crystallized in my mind like hey what do I really like about real estate what is it that I don't like about it you know that I can avoid in the future and um, yeah I don't know if that answers the question
1: absolutely it taught you about kind of uh, what you wanted to focus on more and uh, the, the stuff that you would rather not focus on because you don't enjoy it as much
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: best ever success habit you practice
0: in, in every deal that we encounter we have like a checklist you know so we we look at the cash flow you know, we have a cash flow analyzer, we look at the rehab profit analysis, you know, so we get uh, CMA, um, so I guess uh, the best habit there is, um, you know, being diligent in evaluating deals. So having that checklist, its like a pre-flight checklist for a pilot. you know, so we go through that checklist. And I personally, you know, lead that process. So
1: best ever deal you've done?
0: Best ever deal I've done uh, is not the one that has the most profit. But what's cool about that is they subject to deal. Uh, the property is worth one seventy thousand. The seller was asking one sixty. The property is in nice shape. Okay. The seller owed one thirty. Okay. So, but I didn't have thirty thousand dollars, right? So, what did I do? Well, I asked the seller to refinance the loan. You know, for one sixty. Um, so she got the thirty thousand that she that she wanted but I bought it subject to. And then I turned around and did and did a rent to own, okay? And basically sold the house for one eighty nine nine that I got for one sixty. All right. Um, and 26 six months later, you know, the tenant buyer cashed out and when I did all the all the you know the profit that I that I made, the net net profit is thirty seven thousand dollars on a house that I bought for ninety three percent of market value. 99% of my competition will not touch that deal, but I did, and you know, through through some creative uh, deal structuring plus good negotiation skills, I was able to make you know almost forty thousand dollars on a property that basically had practically no equity. That's that's amazing. So that,
1: that, that, that,
0: that's a cool deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, you're right. I'd say even a higher percentage of people wouldn't touch that deal. That, that's incredible that you're able to structure it that way best ever project you're most excited about right now?
0: We have a Hong Kong based investor, um, you know, and together, you know, we have structured a joint venture where he's willing to buy, uh, you know, about five houses a month. You know, we're going to do a joint venture with him. Uh, we'll, we'll split the profit, we'll put in, you know, equal share of the, of the money in here. And, um, you know, once that succeeds, you know then we are exploring the possibility of putting up like a almost like a hedge fund so we can buy even more houses you know so uh, he has a lot of contact you know in in asia you know that um and is thinking of putting up a small hedge fund you know just to test that to test that to test us out but prior to that you know we are going to do a uh, joint venture to to buy and sell five houses a month so i'm pretty excited about that one
1: best ever quote
0: I guess if you're willing to do what uh, most people are not willing to do, you know, um, let's say in the first five years, um, you can do what most people cannot ever do in their lifetime. I don't know who said that, but to me that's a pretty cool quote. So a lot of things that are, you know, that really successful people do every day are simple things, right? Because they're simple to do, a lot of people don't do them, thinking that, hey, real estate must be more complicated than that, you know. (laughs) But the the fact is, those simple things, I guess those are the things that that really work, you know. So, if you're willing to do the simple things that most people are not willing to do, then you will will become successful. um, And your life will not be, you know, life of a simple man, you know, you will be extremely successful.
1: You mentioned mistakes earlier. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
0: Okay. The, the biggest mistake I've made in real estate is I I thought, being a numbers guy, that real estate is all about the numbers. Okay? But I was wrong. Uh, well, this property that I bought, you know, it's a 30-plus unit apartment building. And I thought it's a great deal because the seller bought this building for, you know, like 900000 and we are getting it for 565000 The seller was so motivated, you know, which should have given me a clue that, you know, this building will be a big problem. We got it for basically $1 down, we took over the mortgage payment, you know, and then we tried to turn around the building. Uh, to make the long story short, this building, the mistake there, it's a 100-year-old building in a war zone in Cincinnati, Ohio. And in that war zone, you only have two choices. You either get shot, or you get stabbed, or at least that's the joke, right? So anyway, to make the long story short, you know, we, we ended up losing the property in, in in foreclosure. So what I've learned there is, um, you know, real estate is not just about the numbers, right? There is, you know, so you have to look at other factors too. So I call, you know, if I mean, for example, a 100-year-old building means that it will have a lot of different maintenance, right? Uh, so your your actual repair numbers and replacement reserves must be way higher than what you would normally factor in. Um, second, you know you can turn around a bad building, you know, but it's extremely extremely hard if not if not improbable for you to turn around a bad area. Okay, you have to be like the mayor of that area or whatever, you know. So and so so that's tough because we were able to turn around the building. We kicked out the drug dealer in there. You know and we kick out prostitution in that building uh we kick out the bad tenants you know but after a few months all of these problems came back because the building is in a bad area so what i tell people now is hey you know you have different areas right you have a b c d you know and then the the war zones are f why f because you know that stands for forget it, okay?
1: So, so
0: or you're f up, you know. So whatever, you know. So uh, it, it it it's really tough to, to succeed in that in that market. I mean, you can, you know, if you're the right person, and you know, if, if you have if you have the stomach for that, I mean, you can make a lot of money doing that. Uh, but hey, combine that with a with a with a hundred year old building in a war zone. I mean, those two are recipes for disaster right? So I would never make, you know, those mistakes again.
1: Wendell, what's the best ever place to reach you?
0: Uh, The best ever place to reach me, uh, you can go to my blog, TheDiligentWholesaler.com.
1: Wendell, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners. The, The topic of lease options and subject tos and how to combine those two approaches whenever you talk through your best ever deal. Like you said, majority of people aren't going to do that deal and you are basically buying at retail price but making wholesale profits mm-hmm. and that that's uh, a that, that's a strategy I hope the best ever listeners who are focused on single-family homes and wholesaling and creative strategies will rewind that part where you talked about the best ever deal and listen to that and listen to how you structured it and reach out to you at your at your blog and um, you know, I've been on your blog, you got all sorts of great content, you are a writing machine. And I, I know the best ever list can get a lot out of that. And earlier, you, you'd mentioned, if you're willing to do in the first five years, what others aren't, you're willing to have, you're going to have stuff that others won't for us their life. And that's your quote. And I think that goes back to your approach as well with, you know, you're structuring deals in ways that other investors, uh, the majority of other investors won't structure them that way. And it really is about continually learning, and you know, one of your one of your five steps, uh, you said, "Don't quit." Step number two, and underneath that, when you were talking, you said your strategies evolve, and I think through that evolution comes um, as a result of learning uh, and experiencing, and kind of just going with the flow of what what where the deal sends you, and having those tools in your toolkit to um, implement whenever you see the right opportunity and then combining them and in some cases like you did on that deal so thank you so much my friend happy valentine's day this was a lovely conversation (laughs) and uh sending a lot of love out to to you and the best ever listeners and thank you so much for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon thank you
0: hey you best ever listener do you want more